today, so you can, you're welcome to go ahead and, and turn to the Proverbs. And uh, I want to, again, Mark mentioned that today is the beginning of, of life groups, and I'd encourage everyone to participate in those. If you didn't receive a call, you'd like to participate, see me afterwards, and we'll get you placed in a life group where you can go and participate. And it's just a great opportunity to be able to share life together. And there's a, it may not seem like there's anything earth-shattering that happens, but when we share life together over time, in a spiritual context, God produces really, really good fruit. And it's not flashy, it's not amazing sometimes, but God just has his way of producing really, really good fruit. And so that's something I'd just encourage you to participate in. If you, if you uh, didn't think about it or, or hadn't heard about it, then uh, the opportunity is there. You can talk with me afterwards. And, uh, and so something we can all do is, is just pray for our, uh, our time together with them. Um, with our life groups, that it be something that's a real blessing here in the next months and in the next years. Hey, today we're going to finish up the Proverbs. There's a whole lot more Proverbs that we could go through. There's some themes that I felt like we just barely touched and, and didn't get into very much. But Proverbs are one of those things where you can do for a while and then you just got to do something else. And we're going to jump into something else for the next few weeks afterwards, after we get through today. But we're going to go through some of the Proverbs that, that are written down, not by Solomon, but by other people, or Proverbs that, towards the end of the book of, of Proverbs, that are totally different. And some themes that we haven't really touched yet. But one of the things that I really wanted to do, uh, when we started Proverbs is, because I wanted to think, okay, wh- why are we going through Proverbs? Are we going through Proverbs just to, to go through Proverbs because I, I, when I asked around, there nobody had remembered the last time we had gone through Proverbs on a Sunday morning here in this community. It, it wasn't just because we hadn't done it for a while, but it sure seemed like now is a time where all of us need some wisdom, right? With um, the COVID and the quarantines and election season and all that sort of thing, it seemed like, man, now is a time, maybe more than ever, that we as people just need to, to get back to some wisdom, what kind of wisdom can God share with us? And so we've spent the last couple of months or so going through the Proverbs uh, by different themes. And the Proverbs talk about telling the truth. They talk about, talk about honoring our parents. They talk about being, um, being a person of character. They talk about not being a fool, uh, not one that just does whatever I want all the time, but has a, a better path than that, decides to choose the straight and narrow of just doing what I feel is, is right at the moment. And those things are all things that are, that are good for us. Uh, we talked about how important it is to choose the words that come out of our mouth because they have an impact. So today we're going to finish up with some of the Proverbs. There's, like I mentioned, there's a lot of things that we're not going to get to. But what I hope is our time in the Proverbs has given each of us some more wisdom to make good decisions as we go through life during this season, but also has just opened up the opportunity for each one of us to say, I want to make the Proverbs something important in my life. And one of the good ways to do that is there's 31 of them. You can read through a chapter a day and get through the Proverbs in a month. Or when you come face-to-face with some situation in life and you think, man, I have no idea what on earth I'm supposed to be doing right now, my recommendation is open the Proverbs and just start reading. And what I've done, what I've found for myself is that when I do that, and I do that with an open heart, I find that somewhere, somehow, God oftentimes just answers uh, whatever I'm wrestling with. 
by providing some wisdom. So we're going to jump in and look at a few more Proverbs today. And again, these are the Proverbs towards the end of the book of Proverbs that are not Proverbs of Solomon, or at least if they're Proverbs of Solomon, they're written down much later. Like these, Proverbs that were carried on by oral tradition that were written down by the scribes of Hezekiah years later. And we don't know how that happened exactly, or probably something like this. There was a spiritual renewal during the time of Hezekiah, and maybe he looked at his scribes and said, look, there's some Proverbs of Solomon that are floating around that we know. We know that came from him. They've been passed down through the generations. We need to write these down because we don't want these to disappear. And, and they're important. And so during the reign of Hezekiah in the Old Testament, these are some of the Proverbs that were written down here. And some of them, a lot of them we're not going to look at because they're, we've seen the theme before. But we're going to look at some of them here. And here's one of them that, that starts off here. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And I remember as a little guy thinking, all right, I get this. I see what all this is about. Is that if someone is unkind to me, then I just go the extra mile and be super kind to them so that it, uh, it, it brings all sorts of punishment on them and, and there's, there's great revenge. And so really what I did is I interpreted it as, as just a, a way to get revenge in some, in some form or fashion. And, and, uh, I really don't think that's what the Proverbs are about, and I don't think that's where Jesus quotes this later. His, his point was, is if someone is unkind to you, then just lay it on thick, because that's what that's going to do is just going to make, make the fire in hell burn hotter. You know, that's, that's not the point here. The great point, and we'll start with that, is that people who are enemies or people who want bad for you those are the people, and how we treat them really shows what's going on inside of us. Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 of Matthew. He says, if you treat people that you treat well only the people that you like, that's not exactly his words, but that's the point, then you are not doing anything different than any people that are, that are non-Christians. And that's what ungodly people do, is they treat people they like well, and they treat people they don't like poorly. If that's what you're doing then you're not any different than, than ungodly people out there. But where the rubber meets the road is that people who have a heart for God are capable of being kind to people who are unkind to them. And that's the great difference of people who, who are wicked and people who are godly. That's what you see in a, in a great difference there. And so the idea of burning coals, heaping burning coals in the head, how many of you have ever had burning coals heaped on your head? No one? Now, it would be worse for some of you guys because your hair would cut on fire, and that's, that's why I keep my hair short, because if burning coals ever heaped on my head, I, that my hair won't start on fire. Right, Phil? That's what he, Phil knows I'm making stuff up right now, right? That's not how it works. Hey, two possibilities here is that someone, when you're kind to them, when they are really want bad for you, and, and that's what they're hoping for, when you're kind to them, what happens is you quench their thirst. In other words, if there's burning coals in their head, it, it just kind of takes the fire out of them. That's one possibility, one interpretation. Another is that in a society like the, like the Society of Israel, where there's a lot of shame is something that's very important, shame and dishonoring your family, is that if you treat someone kindly who has been very unkind to you, 
what happens is it just brings more and more heat on their head, makes them more and more red-faced, so that at some point there has to be repentance. That's the idea there. In any case, for you and me, what it means is if there's people that are enemies to us, we need to continue to speak to them. We need to continue to reach out to them because that's what God asks of us. Uh, because God is a God of peace, and this is a, a proverb that long, long before the, the Jesus walked the earth, this is what he, he called for us to be. Let's look at another one. Uh, where there is no revelation, people cast off resta- restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Okay, so the idea here, revelation meaning prophecy or someone who speaks the words of God or Scripture itself. And, and so when you look at this, what we can see is that if there's no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. So if I go through life, or a society goes through life, and they see and hear less and less of the words of God, what happens is restraint is cast off and we go down a path towards evil. If you read Romans chapter 1, there's a great description of this, of what happens when people put God's word aside, then society just gets worse and worse and worse and worse until it runs into all sorts of, of heartache and destruction. And what God wants for us, and what God, one of the reasons he gave us the Proverbs, is to say, help I want to help you understand my heart. I want to help you understand how to do things well. And so if you spend time in the Proverbs, you spend time getting to know me, then things are going to be really different for you. You're not going to cast off restraint because you don't need to trust yourself. Following your heart can be terribly dangerous because if your heart wants to go a bad direction, it's going to ruin your life. So don't cast off revelation and, uh, and you can... Have restraint in life. Get to know me. Get to know God's word. Make that something that's very important. Let's look at another one here. Um, If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Do we have some morning people here? Do you like to be blessed? Asher, if your grandpa comes in and says, Hey, Asher, it's a great day to be up. Is that great? That's good. Okay, Asher's good. See, we all need to learn from Asher. That's a, that uh, sometimes it's, it's great to be blessed early in the morning, right? I think, believe the point here is that blessings given at the wrong time with the wrong motives are not blessings at all. Okay, that's the, the point here, is that if we're sleeping soundly and somebody comes in and says, Hey, how's it going? Life, isn't it great morning to be alive? There's a, a big part of us that's going to say, no, I don't want you to talk to me right now. Nope, coffee has not, uh, um, you may not say that before I get my coffee, you know, something, something like that. And I thought about other examples of what, what does that mean to, to give a compliment or give a blessing to somebody when the motive isn't right and the time isn't right. And being hunting season, one of the things that I thought of immediately was there's been a number of times in Sylvia and I's married life, where I've really thought that Sylvia just needed a rifle. And, you know, I'm willing to buy her a rifle any time. And I've got all sorts of rifles picked out, things that uh, would be great for Sylvia. But if you know my wife, she does not want a rifle. She doesn't care. She doesn't want it. She's not interested in it. Not her thing. 
Or there's all sorts of other things that I could buy. On, on Mother's Day, I've considered buying her a vacuum before. You see the point here? Is Judgment is important. If we want to give a blessing, early in the morning loudly is not the way to do it. And there's all sorts of other ways for us to consider that as well. If we want to give a blessing, consider how the other person may take it and receive it. Good wisdom to remember in married life, family life, whatever. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by their praise. Okay, this is true from a couple of different angles. Now, I've never seen the silver or gold making process in person. Has anybody here seen that? I, I have not. I've seen it on, on TV or on documentaries, and you see the crucible, the, the ovens where they heat all that gold and silver up, and they pour it in there and, and comes out as, as these silver and gold bars. Beautiful, beautiful process, amazing process. And the idea is, is that those furnaces take out all of the impurities and leave something that is really pure. And that example has been used a lot of different ways in Scripture, and that God purifies us and purifies our faith and makes us uh, clean and, and different than we were before. But in this particular proverb, the point is, is that what is said about us when we're not there says a whole lot about who we really are. The words of others is like the crucible of, of what really, uh, what's really true in our lives. If uh, we live in a community and people hold us in high regard for being honest and truthful and sincere and faithful, then that's a beautiful crucible that God has, has given said, hey, this, is, this person is real, this person is genuine. Look at what is said about them. But if... When we're not around, the things that are said about us are not good. Then it's true, probably true that that's really who we are. And it's something to consider and to think about. In addition, uh, th- I think there's a, a, a side to this, is that when we receive praise, when people say really good things to us in our presence, how do we respond to those type of things? Is it a situation where somebody gives us a compliment where our natural reaction is to fluff up like a peacock and just, oh yeah, I'm great, I'm wonderful, this is awesome, this is, look at how phenomenal I am and what I've done. Is that our first response? Or is our first response to say, "Mm, you know, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm really not comfortable with this. Now something that uh, I've I've tried to do through, through life and preaching as far as this goes, if you notice when, when people talk to me after the sermon and say, Chris, great lesson, really appreciate that. There's a phrase that I use, and I learned it from the Italians uh, when I lived there. Just say God's word is powerful. And the reason I say that is because um, there is, when we're praised, it can lead us in a, in a direction that, uh, that can turn us into peacocks. Any one of us can be that way. And something I learned is, and something I, I remember seeing this as a, as a young kid, hearing this, is that when I get done speaking, what I want you to do is not be speaking about me, but be speaking about the words of God. That's the important thing. And the Italians had a tradition when I was living there, was that they would say whenever one of them would speak and someone would say afterwards, thank you for your lesson, they would say, thank God. That doesn't translate in English very well. Okay, that just gives a different sense. And so I, I learned along the way that I think it's good for me to respond and say, God's word is powerful and keep people 
thinking about the words of God. And I hope that's the case whenever I present a message here, is that it leaves you thinking about, man, God's word is speaking to me. God's word is touching me. In spite of whatever my shortcomings and presentation and all that may be, is God's word is powerful and it still touches our hearts. And I've, I've learned as well is that through, through this same concept, I don't know that I've ever been in a situation I've sat in a class or listened to a lesson where I didn't learn something really, really valuable. Um, and I want to have that heart uh, that I can always learn something, I can always gain something. Here's another one. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. This morning in the teen class, we talked about honoring your parents, um, which all, the, all of our teens have dialed. They've got it down. Um, they told me what great kids they are and how they honor you guys. Um, no, we just wrestled with Scripture like all of us do. But we talked about the example of Saul and Jonathan, and that Saul was a man of God at one point in time, and he chose a different path. And that darkness creeped into him, and he decided that he was going to kill David, his great, his great general that uh, was uh, leading his armies into battle and, and doing so much good. And boy, Saul was going to kill David. And you read through that story, Jonathan had, and I've never thought about it so much from the perspective of Jonathan, but how did Jonathan do right in realizing that David was not after the throne, David was not trying to, there was no evil in him in trying to, to push Saul out of the way, nothing like that. It was not there, it wasn't happening. But how does Jonathan be a good son that honors his father, but still does right, even when his dad's doing wrong? Good thing to consider when you read through that, that story of Jonathan and Saul. But what you see in that particular story that I think really jumps out is Saul becomes someone who is paranoid, he is scared, he thinks that everybody is out to get him and he is terrified of what's happening around him and he points all of that because of his own personal shortcomings, he points all of it at David and tries to eliminate David. You see how that happens there? But David is able to, because he's righteous, walk around and be courageous like a lion. And boy, sometimes he doesn't feel it. But he lives it out. No matter what Saul does, he's able to be courageous even though Saul is, uh, is fleeing and, and no one is pursuing him at all. David's never pursued him. A good example to think about uh, as far as, as how this works out in real life. Let's look at some more here. Now, these are different sayings that were not from Solomon. These are sayings of, of Agur. And we don't know who he is. We have no idea. But he shared some sayings that says some inspired proverbs from Agur that are uh, listed here in the, in the Proverbs, and they're helpful for us as well. First of all, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Every word of God is flawless. In other words, it has stood the test of life, stood the test of time. Now, in our world, it's easy for people to push the words of God aside and, or add to them. And just uh, uh, as, as Deuteronomy 4, chapter 2 says real clearly, don't add or take away from the words of God. And this is a, a similar concept here, is that whenever we change the words of God or we look at the words of God and decide to interpret them as we want instead of the way they are designed to stand, then ultimately there's a rebuke coming from God 
And that's a form of dishonesty. I know that uh, sometimes I've, I've heard people say, and, and, um, and maybe all of us have at some point in time, is say, God told me to this or that. I think we should be very, very cautious with that statement. As through prayer, God will speak to us and he will move our hearts. But remember, our hearts are so deceptive in so many ways, it's hard to know um, exactly what God is speaking to us outside of his word. Our job is just to be faithful day in, day out. I think that proverb calls us back to what's most important there. Here's another one. The leech has two daughters. Give, give, they cry. And this is part of a longer section that talks about selfishness. But think about this. If you uh, go out to uh, spend some time with a friend, and you, whether you're having coffee or you decide to go on a walk or whatever you choose to do together, if you get partway through the conversation and you realize, what I've done is just talked about myself the whole time, and I have no idea how they're doing, I have no idea what's going on in their heart, then this proverb is a good one to remember. Because our tendency in life, if we're not spirit-led, is just to take, 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 take. And the proverb says, don't be that way. Don't be that way. Uh, We have a choice in life to be a taker or a giver, and we do both at different times. But if we follow the words of Jesus, we understand that we are to give more than we take. And when we all do that, then it creates an amazing community of God. Here's some more sayings if I go over here. Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Now, this is one of my favorites. And I remember as a kid reading this, and it really impacted me at the time. And, uh, oops, the microphone went flying down there. Let me grab it. Everybody who's online is wondering what's going on right now. It's pretty exciting. All right. Here we are. This is the only prayer that, that I found in Proverbs as well. So that makes my ears perk up a little bit. If this is a prayer to God saying, give me this, these two things. Two things don't refuse me before I die. These are things that are really important to me. Hey, first of all, keep falsehood and lies far from me. And hey, we talked about that, is that honesty is the nature of God. So when we don't tell the truth, then we, in ourself, are denying the very nature that we're created in God's image. It's a bad deal. It's really destructive. So keep falsehood far from me. And then second, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. And beautiful concept here. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. What's this about? Aren't we supposed to be people that, that, that... continue better ourselves, continue to get richer and richer, and that's what's supposed to happen. We're supposed to, to do that. Our society tends to, to push us that direction. But the Proverbs, I think, is showing us something very, very important here. Uh, I remember a, a while back looking at a, reading through a, a book on, on being outward-focused church and seeking saving the lost, and one of the things that came up in this book, that, is that it spoke about a, a research that had been done on tax brackets and how people respond to gospel based on their tax bracket. And it shared that there was, in all this research that had been done, is that once people get above a certain point in their income, their, their willingness to hear the gospel and to change their life goes way, way down. And I remember something that was... Uh, 
that I, I heard here a while back is, up at the Yellowstone Club, there's no house of worship at all. There's nothing there. There's no chapel. There's nothing like that. Is that correct, those of you that know that? Yeah, that was. there's nothing there. And I think, man, some people are so wealthy, all they have is money. They miss out on, on so much. And what the proverb writer is telling us here, the sayings of Agur, is that I can have too much and I can pray for, I can push myself and be given so much abundance. And what it can do is it can damage my soul to where I look around and say, What's all this? I don't need God anymore. I don't need God's people anymore. I'm going to do my thing. It's better off. What do I need? And we can really, uh, really cause some spiritual damage there. Or there are some temptations that come from being really, really poor as well. I don't think I've ever been in a situation that I was really, really poor. And there's times where I didn't have but a couple of quarters when I was in college, but I knew the cafeteria was still open and I was going to eat. And I was going to survive. I wasn't going to die. But when we get to a point where there's abject poverty is so, so harsh, it can cause us to want to steal, to want to do things that we would never do otherwise. And so the proverb writer is saying, here's the deal. Give me neither great wealth nor great poverty, but just keep me in the middle somewhere. And that's going to be the best thing to for me. And as I look at this, I think all of us are people that are just like the rest of our world are trying to figure out what is what is good life supposed to look like. And according to this proverb, if we can be truthful people that are content with just what we have right now, then we've got all that we need to have a great life. <laughs> I think that's the point there. Is we can uh, we can push for so much and miss out on on uh, what's right right here in front of us. Let's look at another saying of Agur. Uh, here is uh, it says the eye that mocks a father that scorns an aged mother will be pe- pecked out by the ravens of the valley and will be eaten by vultures. Okay, I'm not going to expand on this a whole lot. Uh, the idea is someone who is dishonorable to their parents is like someone who deserves to not be buried just deserve to be shamed even in death. And so for all of us, no matter what age we are, our job is still to honor our parents. And, uh, and that's something that's very important. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done nothing wrong. It's amazing how when we remove, again, revelation, remove scripture from uh, our lives, we can justify whatever we want. Um, and there's, uh, I know people, you know people, and uh, I think we need to be prayerful that, that we don't justify in the same way. But uh, we can do all sorts of, uh, be, commit all sorts of sins that are really, really destructive for the people around us, and look around and say, I've done nothing wrong, and really believe it. And that's where Scripture holds us accountable. It holds our heart in a place where it needs to be. And so we don't make this, uh, make this mistake and and do wrong and say, I've done nothing wrong, I'm just fine. And uh, that, that can, it's really destructive for the people around us. Here's some other sayings of Agur. Now these are, I'll explain how this, this works. It says, under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. And so the idea is, here's three things that are really, really bad, but the fourth is worse. The fourth is, is worse than all of them. And so here, the, the proverb writer is going to share some things that really destroy the foundations of society or the foundations of life. One of them is a servant who becomes king. Now, for us, that's, that's hard for us to, uh, 
to think about because we think, hey, now why is that so bad if a servant comes king? Now, we, our society, our country is is built on revolution, and so we kind of look at this and think, hey, a revolution, all right, you know, let's, let's turn everything upside down. But the point here being, in this world, is that people who were going to be king were educated, were given a lot of guidance and what they were supposed to do and how they were supposed to act. And you have a servant who has never been trained that way. And so you put someone who has not been trained in a position of power that oftentimes the results are disastrous and it hurts everybody. Not only that, but a godless fool who gets plenty to eat, okay, someone who is not willing to work but has an abundance, um, think, and there's exceptions to all of these, but if someone who is, receives a massive inheritance at an extremely young age that has not developed, let's say a person receives a massive inheritance at 16 years old with no strings attached, it's not going to go well, right? There's going to be a lot of destruction that comes from that. And I know some of you sitting there would think, well, I know there might be great temptation there, but I would like to experience that just to see what that temptation would be like, right? Anyway, maybe not. Maybe God knows better than you and I. A contemptible or an unloved woman who gets married. Again, I think this is in the context of oftentimes people who are going to be reading these Proverbs had several wives. And if you have a wife that is unloved among your wives, it's not going to go well. Um, family strife comes up in those type of situations. And also, a servant who displaces her mistress. Someone who, uh, we see this happen with Abraham. Hagar bears Abraham a son instead of Sarah. How'd that turn out for him? It didn't go very well. Read that story in Genesis. It's destructive. So the proverb writer is telling us all these things can, are really destructive uh, for communities, for societies. Watch out for them because they will, um, they will create a lot of heartache for, for the other people. Here's another one, a saying of Agur. There are three things that are too amazing for, for me. Four that I do not understand. Now, first of all, the way of an eagle in the sky. Man, how, much, how many of you guys like to watch eagles fly around? I just love it. And I know sometimes on the, on the river this summer I had a few opportunities where ospreys would come down and they would grab a fish. And uh, bald eagles are infamous for they're not, they, they're not as good of a fisherman as eagles are. Or, excuse me, eagles are not as good of fishermen as ospreys are. Those ospreys will go down, they'll grab a fish, and they'll take it, and they'll be heading out. And what happens? Here comes that bald eagle trying to fight that osprey for its fish. They'd much rather steal than be able to fish themselves. That's how they roll. And I look at that and I watch it and I think, man, what an amazing way that they fly. How amazing would it be to go up and fly with them and be able to look down and just see the world from that perspective and just feel the wind and my feathers. And how amazing. The way of a snake on a rock. Now, this one I don't identify with as much. I'm not a huge snake fan. But how they move is really fascinating for me. I get the heebie-jeebies when I see it, but... How they move is phenomenal. I can't imagine that. When I was a kid, I'd get out on the ground and try to roll around like a snake or try to slither like a snake. It didn't work the same way. How they do that, I don't know. How the eagles fly, I don't know. It's, it's beyond me. Uh, the way of a ship on the high seas. It's a, isn't it amazing how... Um, and at this time, that was amazing technology. How the... A ship can move against the wind when the sails are pointed the right direction and currents in the seas can move ships all sorts of different directions. 
and how a captain that has a lot of experience can help a ship move in ways that I can't understand and, and, uh, and I'm sure you can't understand either. But all of those pale in comparison to the way of a man with a young woman. Because there's no way to, uh, to figure out how all that works. I think all of us, if we think about it for a minute, is that when we have been attracted to somebody, man, we'll change stuff quick, won't we? <laughs> we'll change stuff. Maybe we'll make really dumb decisions, whatever. All sorts of things happen when there's attraction involved. And uh, I remember uh, one of my friends who is an elder in, in Great Falls for a long time, Gordon Naylor, one of the things he told me, he said, when I was a young guy, I tried to, when I was doing marriage counseling, tried to, to decide who should be married and who shouldn't, because I thought, man, here's a, here's a couple that they're going to do great together, and they didn't. And there's other couples that came into my office, and I thought, oh my, this is not going to go well. And they've done great, and they had all these kids, and they raised faithful kids. And I realized I have no idea when it comes to attraction, how that's going to pan out. And so I am very careful to not speak about things that I don't know or understand. I think that's part of the idea of the, the message here. Here's another one. Now there is, a, at the end of Proverbs, uh, it finishes with talking about a wife of noble character, and we'll hit that another time. But there's also some sayings of King Lemuel, but they actually, as the Proverbs say, they come from his mom. Some things he learned from his mom. And it starts off by saying, Here's what you don't do. You don't use your power to chase women and alcohol. It's going to be destructive. That's not your job. But what you are supposed to do as a king is speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And so it's a question of privilege versus responsibility. Because when authority is given to us, in this case a king... Whatever authority or privilege is given to us, we have an opportunity how we're going to respond to that. Am I going to accept that as a privilege and do good with it and protect those who cannot protect themselves? Or am I going to take this on as, hey, I've got this opportunity and I'm going to abuse it and use it in any way that I want? I don't think we have to go too far. Get your phone out and Google Something like uh, corporate greed or corporate crime, something like that. And we'll see story after story after story of someone who is given great responsibility and took advantage of it to rip people off and do whatever they wanted to. Chase, is, as uh, King the uh, Mule's mom says, chase women and alcohol, and it ended disastrously. But whenever authority or power is given to us, Here's great counsel for us. Use it to look out for people that cannot do so for themselves. Great things to think about and consider. Now I'm going to read a few more things from the Proverbs uh, that we started with. And so you can go ahead if you want to follow along. I'll start in Proverbs chapter 1. But again from the Proverbs, what I hope that all of us gain here is being introduced or reintroduced to the Proverbs and realize there's a whole lot of practical life stuff that we can learn from them that helps us make really good decisions in life. If you don't know what to do, find yourself in this conundrum. You're wrestling with what should I do in whatever situation you may face. Then my recommendation is open the Proverbs. Pray and start reading and let the God's Proverbs speak to your heart. Because what you find is there's some great answers in there that will lead you in a good direction. 
And I encourage you to make the Proverbs an important part of your life and uh, continuing on. And hopefully they'll walk us, help us walk through this season of life that's different than uh, maybe any of us have ever faced before. So what I want to do is read a few Proverbs here, a few sections. And I'm not going to comment on them. I'm just going to leave them with you as we uh, go into uh, the Lord's Supper and into singing. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in, chap- in verse 1 through verse 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Chapter 4, starting in verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left and keep your foot from evil. If you'd like to become a Christian today or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to head to the back. There's always uh, plenty of prayers to go around. And uh, we'll go ahead and go into the Lord's Supper and sing our way back out into the community. Okay, good morning, everyone. All right, so last week... I uh